Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA Podcast. This one's at tropicalmba.com slash services. Today, my good friend, Damian Thompson, we've been friends for three years. Lynchpin.net's the name. Marketing automation services is your game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love when you put the radio voice on. I, I get all excited. All oh, yeah. excited. Today, we're going to talk about the rise of productized services in our digital nomad Community, you know, I believe in productized services like what you're doing at Lynchpin.net. We're going to do a deep dive into that. Of course, on the show, we've talked a lot about you know John McIntyre. Uh, we talked about Ben Kruger and AuthorityEngine.com. Those types of productized services are really catching on. We'll talk about Dan Norris too at WP Curve. There's a lot of this kind of thing going on, and I think it's a great business model for people looking to get into the entrepreneurship game. I don't like people who are running to SaaS. You were just saying before the show, let me know. Why is this a better model than running right to SaaS? Yeah, so I think that the whole idea of like productizing your services is the second step because the first step is you have to get a, a skill set good enough you can charge money for it. So whether that's copywriting or sales or whatever, you have to learn a skill you can do. The problem with SaaS is, is... And this is a problem with hard goods products too, potentially. Sure. Well, I think SaaS and hard goods, you know, your cat furniture, great. You know, it was an idea and ideas are bullshit, right? Yeah. So I'm going to have this great idea and then I'm going to parcel all the work out to other people that actually do the hard work yes. and I'm going to make billions of dollars. Right. And I'm going to pay a bunch of other people who have the skills. Right. When really what you want to do is go get a discrete skill in something that people are willing to pay for and then figure out a way to turn that into a product. I think that's a great model. Now, okay, so... Be- We've got a news segment and everything. We've got a bunch of... Uh, but let me just ask this. What about people who say, oh, yeah, Dan, you advocate this, but you didn't do it yourself. You did go out and, and found a cat furniture company. What do you say to that? But I don't think that's true. I think that you know what you did, you went and got a skill set, which was product design, you okay. know, running businesses, and it was a skill set that you were getting paid to do, and then you went off and did it yourself. Rather Great point. Than, right, okay, so Great you had point. a real skill. So, so if you look back and then try to develop the method, that was... You know, we built a business directly in line with the skill sets that we had been developing for years in our professional careers rather than, you know, moonlighting and being like, I've got this great idea for an app that brings parents together who like to go shopping with their kids. It's Facebook for parents, you know. So, you know. <laughs> All right. So, hey, uh, speaking of part of the reason we're talking about this business model, the benefit is I think it's one of the quickest ways to get into the location independent digital nomad, location agnostic, whatever you want to call it, lifestyle. Um, and I just read a great article about this, or an interesting article, I'd say. Uh, so let's, let's, we'll have a link to it. It's tropicalmba.com slash services. It's this new web magazine called theascender.org. I saw this hat tip Alyssa Doucette. She tweeted it out. Basically, what the author here is doing is framing up digital nomads as artists first, creators. And that's something I resonate with so deeply. So listen to this. I quote, successful digital nomads are people with passion, skill, creativity to achieve goals outside of the prescribed structures and rules of a workplace. They are artists and 
entrepreneurs. And it's that search for the sustainable creative life that has sent generations of people traveling to parts of the world where they can live cheaply and find fulfillment in their passions. In the 20s, it was the Montmartre slums in the Paris, documented by Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, he talks about the beat generation. He talks about uh, the hippie generation. So there's obviously like a lot of different generations. And, and, and the author here is framing up digital nomadism as sort of an inheritor of that trend. You're obviously living that out here in the Philippines. You've been here for three years. How would things be different if you were back home in, God forbid, Philadelphia or your, your home state in Florida? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. It's, I have a hard time. I don't want to hate on Philly, by the no, way. No, no, I love really Philly. <laughs> I love Philly. You know, the renaissance of Philly. But um, uh, so it's funny. It's, I don't, a lot of the stuff I don't resonate with is because I, I, I'm a bit of a weirdo anyway. You know? So I was born in Spain and then grew up in Australia and then moved to America. And so I had this kind of – my parents already kind of instilled lots into me. So like society scripts were definitely you know, kind of go to college, get a job, you know, white picket fence within 100 miles where you grew up, blah, blah, blah. But like, oh, my family wasn't like that. My family is much more kind of, I would say, free-spirited and that kind of stuff. So my decision to come out here was – pretty simple was that I decided in January of 2011, I no longer want to wear a suit and tie anymore. And I wanted to figure out a way to do it. And I've been brainwashed by these guys, Dan and Ian, that I could figure a way to do it. And, um, and so I came out to Asia as this playground. I'd spent some time here before. And really it wasn't anything, it was no big movement for me. It was no big, I mean, I mean, it's, it's of course it's big. I left America again, but I mean, I'd spent ten years in Asia and Australia, and so like travel was just something I did. So that didn't really scare me, and my blind confidence that I'll figure out a way to make money right online. If other people can do it, I can do it. Was the other why thing. not do it from Sarasota? You know, I did it first. I mean, so you know, my first couple of months, you know, my first foray was uh, basically journalism. I was a paid, you know, I was a freelance journalist for doing covering uh, publicly traded tech companies for an online trading company. You know, and so, uh, and I was doing that from Philly first, and then moved down to Florida. Once I realized I wanted to go to Asia, I moved back to Florida because Florida is cheaper than Philly. Well, I put some money together to, to come out, uh, and I could have kept on doing it from there. I just. I, I like the article because the thing that I resonate with is, is you know, I don't really consider myself super creative, but I definitely like the idea. You know, you're calling yourself a scenester the other day, which I love. You know, I, I'm not a huge scenester, but I love the idea. I mean, Asia is where the is the place to be in the 21st century. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. And I think it's really cool. You can come out here. And for me, it was just more. It was a real practical decision, like just runway. I mean, you know, a thousand bucks a month, I could live here. I mean, not live great, but I could live here. And yeah, I could live in Florida somewhere for a thousand bucks a month, but the lifestyle is so much yeah. different. Like here, I've got a maid and I eat eating healthy food and all the rest of it and your, your, your group of friends is fabulous amazing right? it would be tough amazing. to pull that off I mean, you're not a seamster but you hang out in this great scene well you know but that, I mean that's kind of I mean I sought that out though I mean so my first also we might mention your reputation in the DC right now you were probably one of the most visible DCers of all time yeah, I mean, I've been around for, since the beginning, obviously, but uh, I, mean, I put a lot of effort into that. I mean, I, 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 I like being online. I, I, as I've gotten older, and I'm you know, a little bit older than most of your audience, I mean, I'm 41 now, and one of the things I do is I don't suffer fools very well, and so I can't stand to be in places like Warrior Forum. Or I, just, I mean, I, I, God bless my Justin and Joe that put their hours in there to kind of <laughs> to recruit people, but like, I just... You know, the D.C. is awesome. There's great people in there. So I put time and energy in there. And I, I'm, I would consider myself a giver. I mean, I like to give, you know, as much as I take. And you know, I also have a little bit of fun. And, you know, the D.C., I mean, it's definitely a kindred spirit. And I think that is the travel. And, but it's more to be – it's one of the things I don't like about the whole idea of the digital nomadism is that 
you know, I've got friends that are still in America. We've got friends in D.C. that are still in America. Yeah, I mean, and most and, of the D.C. is in America. Right, and so they're happy like, to be there. I think people, that's a misconception. I agree. I agree. I think, to me, lifestyle design is you design your life you really want. I just can't go back there. I'll get arrested. Uh, yeah. Yes, otherwise, I'd, I'd be in Vegas throwing events. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't want to go back just because I'm not a huge fan of America, to be honest with you. I mean, I just, I don't. It's going to be, oh, I'm getting in trouble for saying this. But You're getting philosophical. I, I, hey, we're, we're talking about giving, what are you giving today in this episode? Okay. You've had a previous business during your first 1,000 days. You're on like day 1,021 right now. Something so like that. sort of interesting. Yeah. So, of course, the 1,000-day principle, this idea that it takes three years to kind of get yourself to the point where you've got a business with a capital B, and, and that's pre- creating sustainable location agnostic income. You're at 7K right now, monthly recurring right. revenue. Okay, these are clients who've signed up to pay you every month. Um, that's fascinating. I think a lot of people want to be in your boots right now. It's not this crazy, unreachable goal, $7,000 right. a month. You can live off of that. You can build a business off of that. Right. Right? I, have, I have a full-time employee I could pay off of that. You could maybe potentially right. think about getting into SaaS. Right. <laughs> right. But so, so we're cash flowing, in other words, our customer development. I think this is very interesting about your story, but you've made some missteps along the yeah. way. Uh, and I think we want to dig into that. So first, let me uh, read a question from listener Chiara, if you don't mind. I think that's how to say it. I've always understood niching down in theory, uh, but like most, I have difficulty applying the ideas of the niche down. And we've talked a lot about this, Damien, so you're the perfect guest. Having difficulty between gaining traffic and finding myself, uh, traction rather, and finding myself trying to be everybody to everything. So let's get into some specific advice on how we can overcome this mental hurdle and declare ourselves as someone that's hyper niche down, like the autoresponder guy, like, uh, what, what is it that you do? Uh, Give so, me your pitch. Yeah, so help, we, we help companies that use Office Autopilot or Infusionsoft gain customers faster, retain clients longer, and obtain market leadership. There you go. So basically, we do a done-for-you service where we manage the tool for them and then extend the tool on an ongoing basis, take over all the grunt work, the administration work every month, and also then uh, stay, you know, we're experts in it so we can help them, you know, integrate with third-party tools like lead pages or go to webinar and really kind of help explode the growth of their list and get people to buy more from them. So, Chiara, we're going to go through how you can sort of build a business like this yourself. But first, I want to go through your story a little bit. I yep. think there's some things in your narrative that can help people visualize what the first 1,000 days might look like. Sure. So you land on the beach, quite literally, here in the Philippines, um, and you created an Odesk agency. So right. this is an opportunity that's interesting, because I know you, you said it as a bit of a misstep, right. but it's also pretty awesome. It's yeah. pretty awesome that you can go anywhere and crack open an Odesk account and make a living. So talk about how that went. Yeah, so I think that really, you know, using the kind of the thousand days, but the three-year model, I would say, is kind of what I would say. is So year one, what you should be doing is figuring out either if you already have a skill set, you know, exactly what that skill set is or how you can hone it. Year two is then uh, kind of selling that, learning how to sell that skill set to other people. And then year three is how to scale that, right? Turning that skill set from an individual skill set to a business. And I would say that if you did that. That's badass, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm going to steal that from nice. you. Nice. I'm going to give you zero attributes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but no, so I mean, I think that's what it is. So, you know, you learn a skill, you sell the skill, and then you learn how to scale the skill. And yeah. I think that's really kind of, that's the model that I think you should be doing. Now, my misstep was is that in that second year, I sold the wrong skill or I was kind of selling it the wrong way. So I would say I'm a little bit behind where I really should be. 
like 7K is nothing to sneeze at, but I mean, I think it should probably double that if I actually would have figured this out, you know, a year earlier, but that's okay. I think the, the big first thing is, is you got to get that skill. You know, I just saw on Facebook today, someone asking a question about this was, you know, someone in their 20s, you know, they want to do the digital nomad thing. What should they do? What should they focus on? And my response is almost always the same. You want to learn how to sell. I mean, direct selling, like actually learn how to sell. You want to learn how to do copywriting. Right? And you want to understand email marketing. And if you could do one of those three things, two of those three, you know, you're going to make money online. The golden triad. It really is. <laughs> In my world, I mean, it's, I mean. But this is, you see, I think a lot of this, like when you see uh, people that are, that are having failed product launch after failed product launch, it does seem to kind of come back to those fundamentals. It is. I mean, so the reason why I took the copywriting so quickly, so I spent 15. 15- so you give a great product to somebody who doesn't have any skills and they might fumble the ball. Right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that's the thing is when people, you run to the product. Like, so the thing I loved about Odesk and I did Odesk because I'm a bit of a weirdo. So I did Odesk almost out of a dare. Uh, you know, we went that first TMB meetup and I forget the guy's name, the writer, the older guy who wrote and mm-hmm. was convinced you couldn't make money on Odesk. And I just, he kept on complaining about it and kept on complaining about it. And I was like, look, I'm on there. There are people charging reasonable, I mean, like $75 an hour. I mean, there's, there's no way they're doing it if they're not getting paid. And he goes, oh, it's all, you know, you've got, you're competing against, you know, offshore and it's a dollar a word or, you know, a dollar a page or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to do this to show it can be done. And I start, I create a notice po- profile. You're I, making 10 grand a month. Yeah. I mean, I just build it, you know, because people want those skills. I mean, like people, people don't consider themselves salespeople. People don't consider themselves marketers. People don't consider themselves copywriting. And all copywriting really is, is salesmanship and print. So do you think people should go the Odesk route? Was that the mistake? Uh, no, I mean, I think, no. I, I think Odesk was awesome. I, I really enjoyed the Odesk thing. I think it's a great way to get leads, right? I told, it, That's what I did. So what I did, I went from just doing the Odesk thing to also then made it the kind of the top end of my funnel. Yes. So, so when I went from being Damien Thompson's solo consultant on Odesk to, hey, I'm gonna build an agency and hire some smart people to do the actual work and then I'll just kind of manage the clients and they'll do the work and we'll do a revenue share was, was the model. Was, it was awesome. So what would happen is I'd get them, you know, we, at first we did everything through Odesk and then, you know, Odesk is listening, broke the terms of, <laughs> terms of service of Odesk, but people would come in, it wouldn't be a great fit there, but they'd find my website that way and they'd contact us through the website. That's the hustle, right? bro. Of course it is the hustle, the hustle, right? And then when I, when I created the agency, then I kind of, <clears> my first run at productized services was this productized content marketing service, which was, you know, you pay us 2,500 bucks a month and we'll write eight articles for you and includes like, you know, we'll do some social media around Okay, now that. that's, this is interesting because because right. now you're starting to get on something. You, you, right. you come out with the, the first version of Lynchpin right. 1.0. Why was that the wrong move? I, I think a couple of reasons. One, one is because I did it because I've always been behind. You know, I've always, you know, I went, I got into security software. I went to work with Trend Micro and Semantic, you know, after the dot-com, you know, you know, boom. I, I, I was always kind of a step behind in my technology space. And um, content marketing, I saw it coming, like the big, like the idea that content marketing is a product to people, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just pe- people to themselves. And I was one of the first people that kind of really saw this coming. And I said, well, for the first time in my life, I'm ahead of something. So I'm going to build an agency at the kind of pointy end of a stick, you know, and I'm going to actually be out front. And that's just a bad reason to do something. Like that's not just because you can be first or, you know, early doesn't mean anything. And the biggest mistake I made there was, is I, I believe in this niche down too, Chiara, and I didn't know how to do it. So I was like, well, I'm going to niche down on a market. And well, what markets do I know? Well, I know software and especially I know kind of early stage funded software companies because I read all the blogs and because I've raised capital twice. And so I felt I could understand them. So I targeted that vertical market. This I love because right. this is a validation of, all of my grand theory, which is the distinction between a demographic and a marketplace. Or, or we could just say cash flow. Cash so, flow yeah. so a market to me represents established cash flows. So the mistake then is 
saying, I'm going to sell content marketing to VC funded startups. Early stage, Series A software companies. Right. So those people are demographic. It's right. sort of like saying, I'm going to sell something to mothers that are under 30 years old or left handed. Yes, right. exactly. Those people don't have a demonstrated buying behavior. Whereas your new uh, version, so you got rid of the $2,500 package and you said, what I'm going to do is identify people who are using OAP or Infusionsoft. Cash flow demonstrated. They have a buying behavior. And I'm going to sick. It's like a rubber tree or a bee that stings you and sucks the whatever. <laughs> you put in your funnel and you let the delicious revenue come out uh, your way. So tell me about the product, the first product that you determined that started to really work for you in terms of. Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing is that I, again, I was trying to be too tricky with the content marketing agency. Like, oh, I'm going to be in the front of this thing and I'm going to create. So like that first product, which I called, um, you know, I called it Linchpin Publisher, you know, and. It's a great idea, and like Rob Walling from Startups, the rest of us, really kind of helped me shape that product because he was one of our early customers and really kind of helped me figure out how to do that. And that was great, and working with him was awesome. But the reality is, is that, like you said, it was just I kind of made up an idea, and we said ideas are bullshit, and then I kind of tried to push this idea on other people. Like, I imagined the pain. Like, the pain was people don't like to write, or they don't have a team that can write, or they're technical co-founders, so they're technical, they're not writers, so they're not going to write. That wasn't really a pain. What the real pain was is they didn't have bodies. So as soon as they made more money, they went and hired bodies. So there wasn't a big enough pain point. And so when I launched Lynchpin 2.0, you know, funny off was, you know, sitting in a bar with you and Justin Cook and just kind of, you guys beating me up because I was still too broad because I'd canceled, I'd closed the agency down and was back to just being Joe, sales and marketing consultant, you know, take all comers if you're willing to pay me. There aren't that many benefits to alcohol, by the way, but I remember that (laughs) night and here's one of them. I was like on beer number three. Right. And I remember just like the, the kind of the ticker thing. And I'm like, I'm going to say something difficult. Yeah. I'm going to push. And you responded so well. And I think that's very entrepreneurial of you. You know, you were like, you let us lay into you. Yeah. And, I think, and that was cool. And that was good. And I think the, well, alcohol was good for me because I was, it also gave me the courage to say, okay, great guys. You guys have given me the same speech four times. How about you actually help me pick a niche then, right? Like, how about you actually, you know, stop telling me in the, in the, you know, in the ethereal what I should be doing. How about we actually get, you know, stop the philosophy and let's get practical here. But then that's the big, that's the big aha. The big aha was, is I did this kind of, you know, quote unquote custom development thing, which is what I do think the SaaS companies get right is, is I found a real pain point. I asked you and I asked Justin, you know, what in your business right now are you having problems with? Are you struggling with? And yes. Justin was quick to answer. We just bought Office Autopilot a couple months ago and I'm not getting Demonstrated the cash flow. Boom. I, I'm spending $300 a month on something and I know I'm not using it well enough. And yeah. I'm not sure I want to learn how to use the tool. I'm not sure I get the time. You know, my time is probably better spent doing something else. I was like, that sounds interesting to me. Would you pay me $500 a month to manage that for you? He said, yes. I said, boom, let's go. All right. So let's then do the same thing with us that you did to Justin and myself. Let's be practical for Jara. Let's try to say how we can duplicate uh, this business model and get something off the ground. And maybe we even challenge ourselves to say some niches. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things out there. How to get started. I think the first step, Damien, is you have to externalize that skill set into a buy now button. This is a little bit philosophical, but like, Look, there's this idea that if it's always about you, it never really becomes a business. So you have to externalize it. And that's why I think process is so powerful. But the first process is really a buy now button. So you kind of take 
uh, what you think is valuable about that skill set, and you try to articulate it into this button. But I don't, I don't want to just jump, I agree, but I don't want to jump past really kind of point zero then, which is you need a skill set. I mean, stop trying to be all things to all people. Tr- stop trying to, like Chiara is saying, I mean, stop saying you're a marketing consultant. You know, what do you actually do? Like the thing that Ben and John both do very well is it's very specific. You know, like we're going to edit and publish your podcast for you. Yes. I'm going to create an autoresponder for you. Like it's very specific what they do. And that kind of, that test is really like almost a heuristic of, well, I'm, you know, I, I think I might want to work with you. Awesome. Do you want this? No, then we're not going to work together. Exactly. Like, I mean, it's, it's that easy. And then what happens is, and I'm starting to see this now in month six or seven of this pivot is, is that I'm now super referable. Like I'm getting referrals. I'm not even asking for it anymore. And people are saying, Hey, you should talk to Damien. He's the Infusionsoft and OAP guy, right? Yes. So that's who you should go talk to, right? Or, hey, Damien, I've got a customer who was just talking email marketing the other day. He wants to kind of automate some stuff. I think you should talk to him. Right. And, and the, the biggest problem here is that people, they don't get it externalized. And that's right. what really the buy now button is. So this isn't really about driving traffic to your site yet. This is what you're going to have people pull up when you're on the phone with them, which is the next step. So you externalize onto a buy now button. The next step is getting people on the phone. This is where you really shine. Tell us how you uh, develop a repeatable sales process that basically informs the intelligence of this button. So what ends up happening, this is crazy talk, but... Stick with me. The buttons on the valetspot.com, the buttons on the portablebarcompany.com, they've been there for years. And with every tweak, with every customer feedback, with every product change, those things become smarter and more scalable than myself, right? Because I could be at the trade show and I could be on the phone saying, do you want a valet podium? I'll cut you a deal. There's 430 bucks, you know, all this kind of stuff. But instead, we've externalized all that intelligence into the button. And the button refines itself with every sale that it transacts. Is that overly philosophical? Does that no, I mean, I, so I'm going to go, I agree with you. I think the other thing, though, is, is like in my sales process, this is the thing that kind of, we talk about lifestyle design. I love the word, this idea of designing the life you want. And I realized the other thing I didn't like about the content marketing agency was is I didn't really like that business. Like I wasn't happy in the business. And this is not about, you know, folly or passion and all that kind of foo-foo stuff. This is more understanding what you're good at and, you know, you know focusing on your strengths. And when it comes down to it, I'm a sales and marketer guy, and I mean, I'm a sales guy first. I mean, I've spent a long time building sales teams, being a sales guy. I enjoy selling. I enjoy it. I get a kick out of it. And somehow I was trying to, I was building these businesses that I wasn't able to do that. And the easiest way for me to get discouraged was not do the thing you like to do, right? right. So um, for me, it's funny like that. Let's say this. Now, I'm giving this advice. You all should, you know, let me just put my money on a niche. Chiara, you could become the about page wizard. Love it. Okay. Uh, I would... Potentially, if I saw a track record, testimonials, and results, maybe six or seven clients that you've had in the past, and I know I'm going to get a five to 10,000 word in depth. I love going on a deep dive when I go to a site that I love. I'll hang, I'll hang, I'll look at all the videos. If I could get one of those for what, 1500 bucks? That's 2000 I don't know. Maybe I, I, I got to tell you, I think, like I think this is, so let's talk copyright. She says copywriting. Well, right? I want to say this. Okay, let's put that on the table. Can somebody do this if they don't want to get on the phone and sell this? Absolutely. Stuff? So I think copywriting is a great one for that. So, so you're a copywriter. Stop being a copywriter. The world is full of copywriters. 99% of them aren't really copywriters, you know. But so what you want to be is, I'll go even more niche than that. How about this? What if you were the call to action person? Like Chiara was the call, call to action Chiara, we call it, right? So I mean like well, her job is she's going to go on your site and she's going to rewrite five of your calls to action. On your sales page, on your email opt-in, she's going to do that. What if she was the testimonial person? Oh, case studies. All she did was case studies. would help you. She interviewed your customer base and created white papers and case studies for you to sell more. 
are. Like, there's so many ways to take this. Yeah, like the call to action thing. Like, and you want to figure out a way to conceptualize these things that could last over the long term. So, say, you know, the first month you rewrite the call to action, the second month you deliver an analytics report and tweak them, and so you kind of third month is testing. Where you know, and then you know, and once a quarter we'll rewrite as a version B, and we'll split test it and make sure that the original version is still working. And but again, I think it all comes down. The nexus has to be: Are you solving a problem? And the problem in online is pretty simple. It's one of two things. Either you're driving traffic or you're driving conversions. I mean, really everything feeds into one of those kind of things. And that's the third part of this, which is start to drive traffic to that button. So you were mentioning one of the parts I love about this business model is you're really interacting with your customers. So you were talking about the Rob Walling thing. I think back to when Ben Kruger and I were arguing about Authority Engine. He's like, well, would you pay me 100 extra bucks a month to have Facebook? I'm like, nah, I don't even care about Facebook. I don't value that. And he's like, all right, uh, what if you would do this? And those conversations are so valuable. And then they become bullet points on your sales letter. Once they become bullet points, you've got a product that people click on. I think the next step is your entire business becomes about driving people to that button. And this is about the ODES here. So this is the thing that, so Chara's gone, she's decided what she's gonna sell. Um, she's created a big, you know, I got a, a, literally a huge big orange buy now buttons, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, you've created the big buy now button. Now in my business, I was very, I sell two services, a thousand dollar and a two thousand dollar a month service, a, a month, monthly services. I'm not expecting blind traffic to come to my website and click the, push the buy now button. Correct. Like I know I've got to drive funneled traffic to them. It's relationships. It is. So for me, I do that through cold email, through phone calls and that kind of stuff. But Odesk is perfect for this, right? So she could go scour Odesk, scour Elance where people are looking for them, you know, I need some website copywriting done. She creates a templated cover letter about, you know, everyone talks about, home, you know, this, but there's really only two pages that matter on your site. Your about page and your home page or whatever. You know, I yep. only write about pages and here's the value I get and here's blah, 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 blah. And then you drive, you have a link in that cover letter to your sales page with the big button. And below it's like a contact us form. Step right? four, determine the costs uh, of the delivery of the product and how much you can charge for it. So in these kinds of businesses, Basically, what you're doing is you're trying to find that middle meat. Right. And you're trying to you know, lower your costs as much as possible and increase the amount that you can charge as much as possible so you can have the, the best profit margin possible. And it's very interesting because you're going to have ideas about this beforehand, but you're not going to really know until you're dealing with the clients. And, and what you can do is you can tweak little things. Like one of the things that uh, Ben was talking about, I remember he had this like social media marketing plan and it would have taken him like hours to execute. And I was like, you know how much that's worth to me? Nothing. So if he would have had that bullet point on the sales page, his profitability could have gone down 20%. And I think you've learned some things specifically with your products. Uh, you had a quick launch product. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, well, so I will go back to the pricing for a second. The big thing I say about pricing is, is don't deep dive on pricing. Just get it wrong. Just put a price out there, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever. Get it out there, start selling it. Then realize you can't deliver it. Because if, if you're using this model, it's just you at first, right? It's you delivering the service. So it's just your time. So get it wrong, I did. I went out $500 a month. And I had two customers sign up for $500 a month and quickly realized that was nowhere near enough money for me to actually start building a team out. So I doubled the price. So when we say determine the cost of delivery, we do not advocate building a job on this program. So what you want to think about is what could you pay somebody to do this? You don't want to be thinking about the value of your time. You want to be thinking about the value of a hypothetical copywriter's time. And then triple it. I think at that's least. a great base. I'm saying that, that's a great number, right? So it's going to cost me 300, charge a thousand bucks. Right. And so. the way you're going to get there is by focusing on the marketing of your right. product and the relationships that you're building. At a certain point, if you've written 15 about pages, everybody knows you as the about page person. Look, I'm not super excited to pay $2,000 for an about page, but I'm good. I need one and I know I'm going to get ROI on it and I 
don't have the time to do it myself, and I trust you, right. the capital T, that's where your time's going. You're not actually writing these things. Great. So yeah, so sorry, going back to the problem. So set a mastermind about two months ago, you're in there, some other really smart people, and you know, I was talking about this product as services, I'd launched the product as services, I had the big buy now button, which was awesome. I had, I think, three paying customers at the time, four paying customers at the time, recurring customers. And I was talking about how I was learning the kind of different kind of customers I needed and wanted and that kind of good stuff, but I was still willing to kind of take all comers. And one of the things that I said, well, hey, you know, I'm not, I think it was you actually started saying, yeah, I'm not sure we're a good fit for the ongoing thousand bucks a month, but we would surely pay something for you to come set it up for us if we bought a tool like this. Right. Like that initial setup kind of thing. And I was like, okay. And I thought about it. And someone else said the same thing. I was like, okay, well, I'm leaving money on the table. I shouldn't do this. And I created this, what I called foundation, which was this you know, fixed price, 2,500 bucks, and we'll set the thing up for you. Um, and I sold a couple of them. And I quickly realized I didn't want to be doing five that grand. Work. Yeah, boom. boom, five grand in the bank. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> except for it's like heavy duty project work. Like, yeah. I, like the great thing about managed services or these kind of these mon- these kind of done for you services, ongoing monthly recurring services is, is that you're going to have high and low months, but you know they're going to even out at some number, twenty hours a month or whatever that number happens to be for your business. Whereas the project work, let's just say it's sixty hours. Sure. The customer wants that sixty hours over like two weeks. But this is just right. what I love about this is right. that these buttons, these sales pages, they're just getting smarter. You're just right. getting iterating this. The profitability is just going to go up. Agreed. Well, so I, that, that's actually an interesting thing in terms of the long term. Like the more people trust your brand and stuff, right. um, like you know these kinds of like highly skilled things are not going to become commoditized. Right. You're never going to be able to buy a robot. You know, autoresponder kit. Well, maybe you could, but um. well, so I think it's the interesting thing there is. That, so then, my big lesson there is, I didn't really want to be doing those. So originally, I was just going to scrap it entirely. And I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to double the price, right? Because I'm saying, well, if someone's if it's worth that to someone, then it's worth me to hire another person just to do it. But even better, what's actually happened because of me doing that is, is that I'm still getting those people, those new guys, those new people. But it helps me frame it. So I say to them, you've got two choices here. You can pay me four thousand dollars. And we'll set up Infusionsoft or Office Auto Apply for you, and we'll set up within 30 days. Or you can pay me $1,000 a month, and we'll take 90 days. Right. So it's a, your cash flow is less, and you're going to save $1,000, and we'll deliver it. So what you, the you gain, the too, gain you're getting is 90 days versus 30 days, and that's business I want to deliver because now I've got 90 days to build a relationship with you and say, you know what? It's just another $1,000 to stay on board, and here's our, pl- here's our plan for the rest of the year to extend the tool for you. I love it. And you know, one of the things that... You know, about page wizard is pretty good, but the genius of what you're doing is that you're latching your business onto investments that are recurring. Yes. And I think that that uh, is pretty smart. And I think the other thing, the, the reason well, why. Because we talked about earlier about customer acquisition costs right. come into play here. Right. Um, it, it, when you were talking about uh, with the software funded companies, like they might need content marketing for three months and then they freaking fizzle out or they right. hire a marketing director or whatever. Whereas with the case with Office Island Pilot, I'm on that for years and years. And yeah, I mean, so I think this is another great thing is that, you know, it's one of the things I didn't love about content marketing was it was really hard for me to prove what value we were giving to the customer. Um, so if you can figure out a way to, you know, actually show ROI of some sort. So, you know, you can call whatever you want, but really you can only do two things in a B2B play. You can help, I can help someone lower their costs or I can help them increase their revenue. Increasing revenue is always a sexier sell. It's a lot more fun to do. It's a lot more fun. Totally agree. You know, and so to me, this is just a clear, I can show them. And even though like attribution of that revenue is harder, either they're growing or they're not. And you can start throwing out kind of almost like back of envelope math. Like, so I say five to one. So if we, you should be getting, not right away, but after about six months, if you're not getting a consistent five to one return on our money, that extra five grand a month or extra 15 grand a quarter if you have a longer sales cycle, just cancel. 
just we're not we're not we're not we're not a great fit for whatever reason because I've all the confidence in the world that the companies we're working with we're going to give them that kind of return. Step five: determine a scale and product plan. So this is where you know you've got the skill set, you've got a sales funnel, you've got cash flow. I think this is where you kind of can take a step back and say, what's the future of my business going to look like? You could uh, build a team uh, and and build a, a great product suite, product buffet, and just keep cracking. You could at this point, you could go into tools. I mean, there's so many different directions you can take it because you've cash flowed the whole thing. You've got the market intelligence. You've got the recurring revenue. And so maybe, I don't know, part of the reason I really resonate with your story is that it was a long, hard road for me to build a business. And I'm glad I just wasn't taking shots at the moon or swinging for the fences. Instead, it was block and tackle. Fund my education. In some ways, this is a conservative way. I can, I can hear some people in the audience saying, that's wimpy or it's too slow. But I look at this and say, man, that really feels safe. It feels like I'm doing the right things. I'm getting paid to learn not only a great skill set, but you're going to be an expert in these people's businesses. Right. So if you want to, uh, you know, that to me just seems safe. I totally agree. And I think that... Um you know the, the thing that I love about this business also is it it's, it is scalable. So you know everyone read the book a couple of years two years ago that built a sell book, and I think it's a great book to read, especially if you're building a, a services business. Even if you don't plan, like I have no plans to ever sell Linchpin. Right now, if someone comes and gives me a big check, you know who knows. But I have no plan to sell it. But I'm surely building it that way, not because I want to leverage the saleability, but because the dream to me, the dream is having this business is making money without me. Hell it's yeah. it's why I'm not. You know, while we're building kind of some authority around this space and I'm becoming known to this in circles, like I'm not doing the guru model. Like I don't want to be a guru. Because sure, sure. if you're a guru, you can't come out of your business. To me, like the exciting thing will be will be 18 months from now when I've got a sales guy doing sales, a marketing guy doing marketing. I've already got my services manager and he's going to build a services team like where I don't have to be. Like when there are customers coming on board paying us thousands of dollars a month that I've never even heard of before. Right. Like that's sexy to me. Like that is just awesome, right? Um, so... That I'm building that business, and this is a skill set that should be as we get deeper and deeper into it, we can understand. For every five clients we sign up, we need one service engineer or whatever that number happens can to I be. Can I put you on the spot now? Sure. Chiara is at the point where she's probably like, "I'm going to do this. This is great." Are there some things out there that might have some potential? I'll tell you this: at tropicalmba.com/services. Afterward, I'm going to make you a coffee, and maybe we'll put up two to three extras, any that come off the top of your head. I'll tell you some while I'm okay. already at it. We got the about page thing. Yep. Sales page wizard. Why not? Big sales pages. Plenty of room for autoresponder. Uh, call it something different. Call it life cycle. Life cycle is totally different than autoresponder. That's a different. So I, I would say. Type. I mean, YouTube. I'm, I'm just getting started. Actually, what about the YouTube optimization girl? The the girl who goes in there and takes all of your old videos and constantly optimizes them for SEO. What about the press release person? The person who writes a press release about your business every quarter and hustles it out for you. Would you pay, I don't know, $2,500 a quarter to have that service sure. go down for you? These kinds of things. That's that's a copywriting. That's a PR thing. But but all of a sudden, now you're the press release internet marketing person. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing our friend Dave Huss do this with kind of cost per click stuff. And What's I mean, his new domain, by the way? Uh, Growth Scout, which is awesome. Oh, Love it. That's awesome. I agree. Um, but like, so I like that. I like, I'd say what, yeah, anything around CRO, conversion rate optimization. Like, yes. if you could do, like, and you can make it simple. Like, we'll test one page a month for you. You pay me $1,000, and I'm going to take your, you're going to go to services page. I'm going to create a second services page for you, just based off what you've already got. And I'm going to set up testing for you and test it. And every month, we're going to run a test for you on That's your site. That's a demonstrated customer. What about all these people who are paying for Optimizely right. and don't even use it? That's because- it. 
Because they're not CRO people. That's the thing I love. And so now what you do is, and that's even a great, and I love that. It's like the Shopify thing, like Tristan, those guys. Like, I love this idea. ShopifyNinjas.com. Yeah, like I love the idea of servicing those markets because what you can do then is it's easy to find out. The trick to marketing, the trick to mar- outbound marketing, because inbound takes a long time, content marketing takes a long time. The trick to outbound, uh, to outbound marketing is, it's simple as hell, but very few people do it. You go where your customers are. You don't go where your peers are. You don't go where your you know, everyone else is. You don't go to Facebook. Your customers, you find out where they hang out, and that's where you go. And if your customers hang out at Odesk, go to Odesk. If they hang out in the Shopify support forums, you go to Shopify. I mean, that's how Tristan built his business. It was Absolutely. basically going in there and answering questions in the support forums. Optimizely. VW, that's awesome. I love that idea. Yes. I love right the idea. In of, there. Boom. Like, and even I'm if you, already there. I'm already invested. And that was, you know, you're Optimizify. You know, and all you do is I only work with companies that use Optimizely. Anything around the membership site niche. Oh, my gosh. All of us membership yeah. site people are just crying in our high quality problems because right. things are a mess and we need help. Any kind of service that can even, what about this? I don't send a weekly newsletter to my readers. What right. about the weekly newsletter person? I can think of a, a million ideas yeah. like this. We're going to have more at this tropicalmba.com slash services. Damien, thank you. Speaking of hanging out where your customers are, thank you for hanging out here <laughs> at the podcast. Come back when you're doing 20K MRR and tell us how you this got year. Gonna do it this year. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.